0: Buddy, my name is Jimmy Stein. My name is Nick Ragusa, and this is Make Play. Yes, it is. It's a podcast. That it is. And uh, what do we do on it, Nick? Uh, we talk about.
1: Uh, well, sometimes we talk about stealing Lamborghinis <laughs> uh, and social <laughs> yeah, anxiety, do. but usually we talk about uh, making things and playing things. There it is. Stuff we've been making and playing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's pretty. It's a pretty straightforward idea for a couple issues. Straightforward guys. Absolutely, I um, shoot
1: straight like an arrow <laughs> that has been cut up into smaller pieces. What? Yes. How does that? Well, it doesn't go straight. That's you
0: know. Oh, okay. I see. That was got it. I got there. My terrible jokes. In Here my head, go. I was just thinking about that Mythbusters episode mm-hmm. where they shot an arrow and it actually wibble wobbled a lot in I've in liked flight. Mythbusters. What a, a lot. great that show! Was an amazing show. Um. Anyway, so uh. I haven't really made anything <laughs> this week. Hmm, I was going to this afternoon, but then wasn't able to. But I have been working through some thoughts I've had on video games, uh, um, which is why I like to do this podcast in the first place, because it it gives us a little, little time to just specifically talk about games and our feelings about them.
1: Yeah.
0: At least that's what it's I get. Nice. That's what I get out of it anyway. Um, And I have been thinking about, like, the games I've been playing recently. You know, last week I talked about uh, Overwatch and Forza, and those are, those are good games, and I like them, but they're not the kind of game I would usually spend the majority of my time playing, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, like, what kind of game do you feel like you'd usually play?
0: Well... I don't know if it's like what I actually usually play or what I feel like I should be playing is uh. more is more to the point in that I have a degree in narrative design for mm-hmm. interactive media newly minted still don't know where my diploma is <laughs> <laughs> I just lost the yeah I think it might have gotten mailed to my house but I'm not sure I actually don't think it did uh, it was mm-hmm. just there for Thanksgiving and it was not there oh no so whatever <laughs> who needs diplomas eh, only proof of your education <laughs> <laughs> eh, Well, yeah. I think uh, uh, my raw intelligence speaks to that. Mm, Thank you course. very much. Um, so anyway, yeah, I study narrative design for interactive media, and uh, I really care a lot about the way stories are told in games. Yep. And, yeah, Overwatch has a has, a, has <laughs> lore. Yeah, well, but I mean... Not interactive Not really lore. a narrative either. Yeah. It's more of a rough plot world mm, yeah, yeah some yeah. background yeah anyway it's not part of the game really like it's interesting to see the way they let the characters personality affect their uh like abilities and things like that yeah. but as in terms of there being a plot per se there there isn't yeah, really no. one I mean, at not. all um just, which is it's a which very is
1: flavorful uh shooter MOBA type thing almost. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I would say that there is a hefty amount of narrative design work being really done MOBA, but, you know, in you know, Yeah. You get the <laughs> abilities and cooldowns and things to manage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, There is a lot of narrative design in the game, but it's not telling a story, which is what I often find is the mode, or it's not, the narrative design isn't executing a plot, yeah. really, which is what I typically find to be the more interesting um, uh uh dynamic in uh, story yeah. driven games
1: i see it's more just like there's sort of a narrative there ish in yeah. the, like there is in like the external media like yeah um, well there is but
0: i'm i when i yeah. say when i say narrative design i'm talking about like the consistencies in like the fact that you know Reaper's a super bad guy, yeah. so he's like a really aggressive dude and shoots people in the face at close range, and that yeah. kind of thing, you yep. know trade's oh, a sure. sprightly mm-hmm. person who's very athletic and she can zip around and jump around and protective
1: of yeah you know, exactly,
0: of like there is a logic to the character, yes, um but aside from that, not a lot, and so I've been thinking about why I haven't been playing a game like Red Dead Two, which has a whole lot of story stuff going mm-hmm. on in it, and um you know is that. When the first game came out, I was in high school, like a freshman in high school, maybe, around there. Yeah. Has it been eight years? I guess so. Shit, wow. Anyway, um, yeah, I guess that's about right. Anyway, uh, I played the hell out of that game, mm-hmm. and you know, beat it once, which is uh, an undertaking in its own right, mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, a second act, uh, struggle. That game. <sighs> it's tough, man. Is it yeah oh, no. I never played it you so. uh you get to Mexico uh-huh. and most people never get out it's basically like the whole it's just like real life yeah <laughs> it's horrible it is kind of a weird metaphor for the like uh a character that a lot of classic westerns have uh overlaid onto mexico as being this like lawless like you know yeah, country but i see uh in the context of red dead one it's just a really long section of the game that gets pretty boring after a while uh. um, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i don't know I and, and the, the conclusion that i came to as to why i'm not playing these kinds of games is because they're so fucking long yeah. um it's just like it's just not something i i have time for really yeah um and and it's not like, I do have time during the, during the weeks to, to play games, and I could chip away at it, you know, over, like, a month or a couple years or something. Yep. Um, but the sessions are not necessarily as well-defined or as well-oriented towards having, like, a single hour or two to, to, to play in. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, those games are, are like, Assassin's Creed games, most open-world games are sort of geared towards, like, pulling you towards something new all the time. So there's never really a dull moment yeah um whereas a game like overwatch you play around in like 15 minutes you know and if you're if you've had your fill after that after those 15 minutes then that's it you're kind of good you can tap out and it'll it'll be okay and i think in Um, tandem with the (laughs) the time stuff because i you know i have time but it's it comes and goes in weird places and i can't always anticipate it necessarily and i certainly don't have large swaths of it like i used to in high school um and even in college um yeah, it sounds like New York is probably falling apart. Yeah, somewhere the
1: out 90s. there. <laughs> a,
0: a snowman is melting. <laughs> um, but I think the other part of it is that, like, I'm kind of tired of, like, super violent games. I see. It's just kind of, yeah. I'm just kind of, like, a little burnt out on, on that. Not as just, like, a thing that I don't enjoy doing in games, but as a thing that's just kind of, like, not that interesting to me anymore. That's fair. I mean, that sort of violence
1: in games is, I feel like, fun when you're younger only because, like, I don't know. I feel like when I was younger, I had a lot of, like, angst about things. Sure. And being able to kill something in a video game is also, like, a really clear goal. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's true. just sitting there like, ah, I feel like I'm getting sort of almost a little aggression out. I'm, like, maybe, you know, it's cathartic perhaps in a way, for me at least, when I was younger, playing, like, Halo and stuff. And it's also like a skill to to tune, like having to. It's a clear objective. It's like you just shoot the other person, and yeah. like. I don't know. It's when you get older, it can yeah. get kind of boring because I don't know. Like maybe I want to play, like Fez. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or some other game uh, that makes has more interesting mechanics than
0: just shoot and hurt and kill. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but that's that's the problem I have with a lot of. Um, like plot-driven games is that when you're telling a story with, with, a, with a video game, it usually takes up a lot of the air in the room in terms of both the attention that's being paid to it and in the amount of time the developers have to spend on executing it well. That's true. So if you want to tell a really good story... You have to spend a shitload of time on that and make sacrifices in other places to make that story what it needs to be. Yeah. And I, that means the gameplay itself maybe isn't the most exciting. Yeah. You know, like, looking yeah, at you uh, *The Walking Dead* or most plot games. Hmm. Um, and I, you know, I play games for their stories, but I also play games because I think they can do really interesting things with like embodied, uh, like metaphor on the mechanical side. You know. Um, like I talk about uh, What Remains of Edith Finch a lot in that there's this one section I've probably talked about on this on this podcast but there's one section in which you play a teenage guy working at a tuna factory and spoilers I guess for this game uh, it's like a vignette game yeah. and you play as all the different um, members of a family that have, that have passed in uh, various and sundry interesting and uh, tragic fashions um, and so he plays this teenage guy he's really bored at his job at this tuna factory and so all you have to do is on one thumbstick, you reach up, and it's a first person perspective, and the left hand grabs a fish from the upper left corner, drags it to the right side of the screen, and then with the right stick, you chop the head off. And then oh, I you push the head up, or you push the body up to a conveyor belt, and then you swoop it back around at the top left corner, grab another fish, rinse, repeat, over and over and over again. And you start to do this mechanic a lot. Actually, I think it's, sorry, that's all on one stick. That whole process is like, left stick, up, grab the fish, Swing it down to the right; the head gets automatically cut off by the by the machine, and then you push up and you let it go automatically, and then you just go back and forth and back and forth. It's really boring, yeah. um, which is the point; it's yeah. supposed to be because that's what this guy feels in this moment. Mm-hmm. And as he's doing this, he starts to daydream, and the whole this whole part of the story is told by a narrator who's reading like a letter from his psychologist, and she's talking about the things he would describe to her. So he talks about having these really elaborate daydreams, and it starts off as like this little like thought bubble almost in, mm-hmm. in on the screen and you're controlling that with the other stick oh so I see. while the left stick is grabbing the fish and cutting them and putting them on the conveyor belt the right stick is making this little guy walk around in the thought bubble and just really simple stuff like you're just walking places you don't have to interact with anything you just like walk to advance this little part of the story and at first it's like kind of hard but you've already been doing the fish trapping thing for a while so you yeah, kind yeah. of your, your thumb has gotten kind of used to that motion yeah so it like becomes yeah you kind of do what the character
1: is doing which is spacing out just yeah. doing the same thing over and over yeah. again while thinking about something else
0: yeah exactly yeah. um and the the thought bubble like eventually becomes like the entire screen and it's like much more all-encompassing than the job is and there's just like these weird like photorealistic fishes like flopping down all over <laughs> this like cartoon like dream it's really interesting um and i just thought that that's like a really salient example of like really strong narrative design in my opinion because it's like doing a mechanical thing that is also uh, like resonant in the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. Um and that's obviously really hard to do well and I can think of relatively few games that do that. Um
1: Yeah, I mean it is it's difficult I feel like using some of your words to sort of make those mechanics a metaphor, you mm-hmm. know, in yeah. a way. That is really hard. Yeah, like to do well. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I should I should compile a list of of these at least moments in games that work on that level. Because obviously there are a lot of like games that tell really compelling stories that don't yeah. do that. You know that just kind of use the mechanics as a sort of like, uh, you know.
1: It's just to advance the story. I yeah, guess, as just... a more
0: plain, just like you need to walk around and navigate these spaces, yeah. and this is how this is the convention for doing so. So we're just gonna do that. Um, but I think it's really interesting when you can do... When you can really take full advantage of what, like, a video game can be. Yeah. Um. Maybe that's what I'll work on this week. Is, like, putting a compendium of interesting narrative design elements together. Um. That game itself, What Remains of Edith Finch, has a lot of interesting stuff going on. Because it's a vignette game, like I said. And every different family member's story has, like, a different mechanic or, like, thing about it. Mm-hmm. Where, like, that one is you've got to play this guy in a fish factory. Another one is you playing... I th- you're playing like this this girl, but like the whole style looks like a comic book, and so you're playing this girl in like the house on like Halloween night, and you have to like hit stuff with like a crutch because you're like on crutches because you hurt Um like really simple stuff like that. Um, but I think I think the the canning one is sort of the one that people have uh, sort of talked about the most and is probably the best of them in my opinion. It's certainly like one of one of the last, if not the last, of those sequences that you do, but. Um, yeah trying to find instances in which games do that well has been difficult which I guess is probably why I've just played the games that are like fit with my schedule time wise and are also more mm. social because it's yeah. like you know I want to do things that I can get the maximum enjoyment out of with the people I'm around as well and that's usually like you know Overwatch or Mario Kart or mm-hmm. heads up for, for the second half of the show Mario Party mm-hmm. Um, those just are much more compelling you know to play yeah. than, than something else so yeah that's where I'm at.
1: That's fair. I feel like I also I also play a lot of games where it's just... I have friends on Discord. They yeah. play these games, so I play those games. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, uh, it's interesting to see, like... It's going to be interesting to see how Discord continues to change, mm-hmm. like, gaming, period. You know?
1: I, I do like what it has done in my life, which is yeah. basically just several uh, almost, you know, Skype chats, mm-hmm. like, Facebook message chats, and just random sort of platforms that me and my friends have my friends and i have used to um sort of keep in touch and play games yeah uh has really been transferred entirely to discord uh in a lot of ways right and
0: it's very convenient um, yeah yeah super well integrated it's weird (laughs) sorry uh it's weird for me because um discord looks exactly like slack yes and Very it has basically the same UX um, and uh, which is which is nice because it means I already know how it works even though I don't use it all that often mm-hmm. but on the other hand it's kind of it's just kind of weird it, like does it, it feels because I spend a lot more time on Slack than I do on Discord and so mm-hmm. it feels it just like reminds me of work a lot and like Discord is obviously a lot more fun it's yeah. like more playful in a lot of ways um, but at the same time it, like I can't not think about using Slack when I'm using Discord. Interesting. Um, just a weird note, I highly doubt I'm the only person who feels that way about it because it's so cuz Slack is so incredibly widespread at this point and mm-hmm. as is Discord. Um but I am curious to see how it like forms communities, you know? Cuz to yeah. my to my knowledge there is a vast like network of of like pretty open communities on Discord. Yeah. Um it's like a sub a sub internet, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know it's pretty
1: cool i like it i like that like i join um i join channels that my friends have made right and i meet their friends yeah and we all play games together like, yeah that's very fun
0: yeah i mean do you know are there like are there like specifically game-oriented channels that are just like massive like an overwatch new york overwatch like uh, yeah. scene those channel?
1: sort of channels exist for sure yeah um,
0: interesting because I, I had my world view expanded when I was talking to someone at GDC last year, and they were talking about all these, like, graphic design Slack channels that they're in, where mm. people just, like, post interesting designs and talk about them yep. and whatever. And I'm like, what? This is, like, a forum? <laughs> I thought this was just for, like, sending notes to your coworkers, because you don't wanna actually talk to them in the face-to-face. <laughs> Weird. Um. Okay, do you do you have anything you want to talk about making this week? Uh, probably I'll do a short one. I just, you know, I've,
1: I've been working on brushing up my, my coding a little bit before I go into this job, which I actually uh, start tomorrow. Ooh, I'm gonna boy. wake up at six fifteen and get the hell out of Jesus this apartment. Christ. Uh you know, it's, it's what it is. Yep. Uh time on the train. That's true. That and I'm gonna true. I'm gonna get a uh, gonna get myself a switch. Hey that first paycheck.
0: There so it can, is. Oh I can't wait for that first paycheck. <laughs> oh yes. That'll be sweet.
1: But um yeah, I I feel like the most work i 've gone i've put into making things this past week has been uh, music related i've okay. played a lot of bass guitar and some acoustic guitar um, the past few weeks i just bass really there's there's a big gap in my knowledge uh, when I play bass guitar and when I try and make songs and just make licks or whatever you yeah. know, little riffs that I like big gap being um that I know some music theory, Mm -hmm. and I know how to play my instrument, but I'm very bad at combining the two, um, especially on the fly. So sort of improvisation is always difficult, but uh, it's particularly difficult if you don't really know where the correct notes are on your instrument, which is something that people (laughs) usually sort out very quickly. But um, when I learned, I, I was really primarily concerned with being able to play the instrument well um, just to be able to hit the right notes you know and yeah. hit them in the correct way yeah. was really what I was primarily concerned with and learning songs that I wanted to play like that was really the only goal it was a fun little hobby for me and I had some tutoring, but it, the guy who tutored me was also just some dude who, <laughs> like, showed me the circle of fifths once yeah, and then it's, it's we so- played Primus songs in my basement. Like, it's,
0: you know it's so funny to think about like old music teachers that you've had because I had like probably half a dozen different piano teachers over the years um, and they're like in in hindsight they're all just like such weird people I don't mm. know like the first one I had was this like was your your classic like old lady piano teacher. I would, like, drive to her, my mom would drive me to her house. I would sit there for an hour, and she would give me shit for not having practiced. I see. Um, and then... As it goes. Eventually, we stopped going to her because uh, I wanted to, like, write my own songs and, like, play my own stuff. Mm-hmm. As like, a, I don't know, like, a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, and yeah. she, like, wasn't having it. Yeah. And my mom was like, that's lame. We're not going to go to this person anymore. Uh. And so we got this other guy, Antonio, who was the best. Um, <laughs> he was great. High
1: praise for Antonio. High
0: praise for Antonio. Kind of all, kind of kind of a hot mess to be honest. Mm. Um, ended up having some some familial issues he had to deal with, so he couldn't he couldn't teach me anymore, and Damn. I was never able to get in contact with him afterwards. Jeez. which sucks.
1: My funny enough, my bass teacher he was also a bit insane. He I remember had lots of stickers about aliens uh, oh. on his bumper, and yeah. also. His instrument. He was very he was very out there. I was like, I can't tell if this man does drugs or not. I mean, <laughs> oh, he Definitely did bass drugs. guitar. I imagine he probably does if he's tutoring me in my basement. Yeah. But uh <laughs> I he actually I hadn't thought about that man in years. Mm-hmm. Years. I hadn't he wasn't my friend on Facebook. I had forgotten even his name. Yeah. Up until when I first made my LinkedIn, one of the first people <laughs> that it, <laughs> asked me to connect with (laughs) was my goddamn bass teacher when I was like 12 years old. And I was like, I forgot, I forgot this man even existed. How long did he tutor you? Uh, a year and a half, maybe two years. Wow, that's not even that long. No, and I I was just confused. I was like, how do you know this, LinkedIn? How did you figure this
0: out? Wait, so LinkedIn suggested it to you? Yeah, I couldn't
1: have found that man if I wanted to. Gotcha, gotcha. And LinkedIn just just gave me like, team hey, remember this old gym yeah I was I mean it was quite funny I I, I didn't send him a request or anything oh, man. I, was like, I, I should it he would be should. I wonder if he remembers me what but. if he
0: still slaps bass dude I bet he still slaps bass <laughs> he definitely still slaps the bass dude okay all right all right we're gonna take a little break you're gonna hear a word from our sponsors uh, which are fabulous this week can't wait for you guys to hear about them yep um, all right we'll be back in a bit Hello, my name is Ron Haberdeen, and I'm gonna talk to you about my profession as a life coach and a guru. <laughs> the secret is laughter, which is why <laughs> I laugh all the time. You gotta tell yourself jokes, you gotta keep yourself on your toes. And most importantly, and here's a big, here's a big secret. If you're wearing cloth slippers, don't go outside when it's raining, because then your feet will get super fucking wet. I know a guy who did that once. His name is his name is James Robert Stein. They call him Jimmy, and he went out there, and boy, are his feet super wet right now. <laughs> Let's laugh at Jimmy. <laughs> Buy my book. Hey there. Hey. Have you actually read Ron Haberdeen's book? Uh, yeah. The Ron Havardine he Experience?
1: Has, he has some really interesting, like, little, um, almost short stories. It's in, true, yeah. Like, some very, little
0: anecdotes. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I Parts heard someone uh, came out recently and said that they were all false, so... Oh, damn. Wow. Yeah. He still paid us, though, for the bit. Thanks, Ron. I really
1: believe that one about the peanut butter and his great aunt.
0: But... Yeah, I thought that one, that one was, it was the detail...
1: Yeah. It was so intense. Like, how would you know what peanut butter looks like in that situation (sighs) unless you had seen it? Yeah, and boy,
0: does Ron know what it looks like. Man. Anyway, the Ron Haberian experience is on shelves today at Barnes & Noble, maybe? I don't actually buy books anymore. I think it's a
1: blockbuster. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, so now we're going to talk about video games we've been playing. Uh, Obviously, we did a little bit of that in the first half, so I'm going to sort of... Uh, Do a little flex flex plug here and talk Mm. about uh, the Museum of the Moving Images exhibition on video games uh, specifically pertaining to sports Um, It was cool Uh, It's been uh, At that museum for probably about a month. I went a couple weeks ago Mm. um, But I haven't really thought about it (laughs) I (laughs) I went I went with my girlfriend and and her younger sister who was in town so it was mostly just about like hanging out with them and less about me like trying to dissect the manner in which they presented these uh, video games. Yeah. Um, the one significant problem that I noticed was that it's a video game installation. Yep. Uh, exhibition and that's really cool, but it's also really fucking hard to do well. Mm-hmm. Because you need so many people to keep it like running well and they have to know all kinds of stuff about all kinds of different hardware and games. Yeah. Um, and they didn't have any of that really. I see. I mean, the games all were on. Are they were running. Yeah. They were all on. I And most of them, except for one or two were running. And I believe they had sort of a brief explanation of the games and their rules uh-huh. um, next to the installation. But there was no one there to like reset them or, which is really in my, in my opinion, like the biggest, the biggest thing is to like, have it presented at like the title screen yeah um i mean there is something to be said about like walk like walking up to a computer that's like halfway through a game of backyard baseball and just trying to like f- look at what the person had done but like yeah. the game games are well, designed it's in, like, to... like a
1: museum too if you're supposed to be showcasing it like yeah
0: yeah and games are designed to like welcome people into them and to like, yeah. get them to understand how they work and what they are it's like album
1: artwork almost yeah it's
0: like kind of got to have that even in a you know yeah and so if you like just if you don't really know much about video games but you're curious and so you like walk up to nba jam and it's like in yeah. the middle of a game it's like what who am i what's going on how does yeah. this work um so you know resetting games is 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 huge and obviously uh my tenor and yours as well at the uh nyu game center open library uh yes really just like rammed that into my brain like Games true. at title screens. Yep. Games at title screens. Yep. And it looks better.
1: It does. I. It would annoy me if it weren't that way yeah. when I was working there. It, yeah. was, it was nice to have them all on. Yeah. It wasn't nice to have all of the volumes turned up. Yeah. <laughs> that became a cacophony that I will never forget, no yeah. matter how long I sleep. It's true. It's true. Uh,
0: yeah, the audio thing situation was... Um, was fine you know it wasn't too loud a lot of the computer games because most of them were like on like old computers which was kind of fun yeah like I'd forgotten that gateway was a computer brand (laughs) at one point in time um had like little like computer speakers there that were pretty localized to that sort of seating sitting area um but the cool the coolest thing for me was that they had a uh reproduction of tennis for two which is like the first like digitally displayed game uh, it was never, like, mass-produced or anything. It was, like, an experimental thing that was made at the Navy, I believe, mm. um, by this guy, William Higginbotham.
1: William Higginbotham.
0: Yeah, back in 19- 1955, 59. 58. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, mid-1950s. And it's, like, a it played on an oscilloscope, which is, like, an old piece of, like, radar hardware or some shit. Holy um, crap. But it's actually, it was actually pretty fun. And the screen was, like, really bright. It was, like... Imagine, like, all those scenes from, like, Hunting Red October or whatever summary movie you like the best about the where the they the have, bloop, yeah, we're like, bloop, bloop, bloop,
1: bloop, bloop, and no, then, no, it's, like, no. the
0: greens thing that's, like, super, like, it's like sharp and bright, radar, but there's obviously. a little bit of, like, screen haze when the thing goes around. Yeah. It was that. It was literally what that was, but we're playing, like, a weird, like, tennis kind of game on yeah. it. Um, so that was that was pretty neat. Yeah, it's was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the rest of it was, like, sports games that I never played because I never cared about them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was interesting to see they had like a video projection room of like five different um like baseball games yeah and we're also playing like a a, a real like a, a a taped broadcast of that the same of like a the same matchup so it was like the Phillies oh. against the Cubs or something like that and all the different games were playing the Phillies against the Cubs, the Phillies against the Cubs, from, like, N64, PS1, PS2, okay, PS3, yeah. whatever. And here's, like, an actual, like, video broadcast of those two teams playing each other, um, which was kind of cool. Nice yeah. idea. Um, but, hey, I mean, aside from that, it was, like, kind of just games I, I was like, yeah, NHL, hockey, uh, yeah, that's cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about the sort of um, design lineage of these to really enjoy them and, you know simulations of of other things or other sports i don't know they just they just don't grab me in the same way That's fair. Um, because you're like i don't know i mean it's interesting to see how people decide to adapt to these things but to me it's like well sports are cool because they're sports and it's people executing these ridiculous plays and and thinking very quickly yeah and there's some of that in these games for sure but they're mostly just like A sort of boiled down version of something else without being able to take advantage of things that are cool about video games. I see. Um. So they're just they just tend not to grab me that way.
1: Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I remember playing like a um, some sort of hockey, like ice hockey game with my little cousins. Yeah. And they loved it, but I think part of what they loved about it was that it tried very much to pose itself as like a broadcast of a hockey game that you were playing, which is. You know it. It's cool, and it must be fun if you like hockey. Yeah. But I never really watched any sports besides like a little baseball when I was very young. Um. So yeah. To my co- to my little cousins, they play hockey. They play ice hockey. They they love playing that game. Right. And they also love playing ice hockey. Yeah. But uh I don't love playing ice hockey or <laughs> watching ice hockey. Yeah, that's the other
0: thing. And so I was kind of bored. Yeah. I was like. Yeah. I mean, you know. I played a lot of sports growing up. I played football for like eight years. Mm-hmm um do i watch it now not really uh because it's fun to play but not as much fun to watch um mm. so that was interesting and they also had like at the very end they had the sort of like e-sport like these are video games that are considered sports in their own right mm-hmm. uh this sort of section and they had god what do they include they had fortnite which was hilarious that's hysterical um, but also a, you know makes sense
1: it does make sense They have starcraft
0: yes i believe they, they nice. had like a rotating um uh, installation of like StarCraft and like Call of Duty and maybe like CS:GO. Um, or something. Yeah, all the games yeah. that are like that were like felt to be too complicated to like ask someone to play mm. at a museum. I see StarCraft for sure. Uh, um, yes, <laughs> and also just to like squeeze in a bunch on the same on the same setup. Yeah, um, and then they also had Rocket League that you could play, uh-huh. which was fun. Which is, I feel like it's a, is a, is a good game to let people play because it's just kind of like. It, the logic is very simple. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you're a little car, you hit the big ball into the giant net, and that's how you win. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the like, the skill of playing that well is very difficult. Yeah, but, but it's fun to mess around with. For
1: go like forward, hit ball, not yeah. too hard.
0: Yeah, Um, And they um, had, I feel like they had something else, but I, I can't remember what it was.
1: Was it like a MOBA?
0: Or no Did I think it was kind any? of on the same sk- same screen as like the Starcraft oh, 3 kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of there sense. might have been another another uh, piece there somewhere but I don't, I don't recall what it was right. um, but it was, it was cool I mean it's I think it's interesting specifically that there is not just a museum exhibition about games mm. but about sports games that there's like a, a more finely curated uh, grouping of, of games to be in to be interesting and to be like examined in that way. Um, cause right now the, like the Victorian Albert Museum in London has like this really big exhibition on video games and they're diving into a lot of like the creative process about how they're made and like all the concept art behind them and stuff like that. But they're taking the entire video game industry under their net in yeah. this, which is huge. It's a lot. <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> and like, there are other exhibitions which are just like about one person, one yep. individual. Yep. So we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, but it is interesting to see that the Museum of the Moving Image is like taking that next step and like refining that that gallery a little bit. You know? Yeah. obviously sports games are still like a lot. There's still it's still a huge net. There's still there's still like I feel like the thing with video game exhibitions is it's always um, how you present the evolution of the media um mm-hmm. so it's like oh look at this dinky little like beige box thing and now it's then it's like oh we'll check out this shiny ps5 with these ridiculous graphics yeah. how far we've come and stuff like that and i'm really ready for that not to be the main th- interesting point about the exhibition yeah you know? that's
1: true um but like you know, hey look at the games not just like the box yeah they come in a little yeah,
0: bit yeah yeah exactly um so i do want to still go to that exhibition at the vna but it's in london so we'll see if that ever happens i see yeah um so okay actual game wise mario party nick and i play a little video game called mario party oh my lord and we're still friends yep somehow somehow some way we are still friends my girlfriend and i you know uh, rockier terms yeah, yeah um after she <sighs> swatched my legs out from underneath of me Ooh. and uh beat me by one star Ah, well. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. As they say
1: in times of trouble like these on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, get fucked.
0: Oh, I don't <laughs> want <kidding>. to! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mario is really, really good, though. I mean, the fact that we're having these, like, very emotional responses to it I th- is, I think, indicative of the quality um, of the game. And Because, like, you know yeah. this is what they want people yeah. to feel, you know? It's
1: like that weird, like, frenzied, like... yeah almost anger but sort of elation like i don't know that's how i feel playing that game
0: yeah um it's because like it's 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 like any other nintendo game really or really i'm just thinking about mario kart (laughs) 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 to be honest uh in that like it's very rubber bandy which uh is a game design term that uh basically means like if you fall really far behind you'll like stretch the rubber band out and then it'll let go and it'll catapult you to the front in some way um so like the the blue shell in mario kart is a is an example of that that it only attacks the first the person in first place and like brings them back into the in, yeah. into the fold. It hits people
1: in front of you along the way just yeah, tries to yeah. You an edge. and
0: like the bullet bill takes you from the bottom and puts you towards the middle um they're also called like uh fuck there's some actual game design terminology for this it's like positive and negative feedback loops mm-hmm. i forget which one's which <clears throat> but anyway mm-hmm. nintendo games do a lot of it and so mario party I mean, well how does it make you, how does it make you feel, Nick?
1: Mario Party, yeah. Mario Party, let's see. I'm trying to go through it in my mind. When we get to the title screen when we're picking characters and walking around in that weird like, I guess, yeah. diegetic uh or yeah. is that non-diegetic? I forget oh, it's, uh, yeah. which one is it's which. diegetic, yeah. It's diegetic? Yeah. Okay. we're walking around um, Party Plaza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> that, that part's really fun. The game itself is really cute, and it makes yeah. me feel oh, good. Yeah, it's so cute. Um, when we play the mini-games just on their own in this... Also those, fucking adorable. Yeah, great, really fun. When we play the main game, and we are competing, mm-hmm. real Mario Party style. Real
0: fucking I, Mario
1: Party. I have a lot of fun. I think, though, that's partially because my opinion about Mario Party mm-hmm. is that everything's pretty much bullshit (laughs) i know it's not i know like if i intended to sabotage myself i could easily just not buy stars or not head towards them or you know there's a lot of things and i'm sure there are optimal ways to play the game yeah um but there's so much randomness and that sort of rubber banding yeah effect in mario party that when i'm playing i'm primarily just like this is fun because i'm doing a thing with my friends yeah because I have nostalgia about Nintendo essentially and these characters and it's a well-polished game. Like I yeah. really the fun of it for me is, ooh, what mini game is this? You know, maybe yeah. I haven't seen it yet or ah, I like this one or mm-hmm. damn, Jimmy will probably beat me at this one <laughs> is better, you know? Like yeah. stuff like that. I'm 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 trying to there are upsetting moments obviously yeah. when you just get totally screwed by that rubber banding <sighs> or you know, when it, when that, yeah. When those good old, when you're playing with two people and you have two computers oh and the computers God. are just gods every they're now and so then. They're so good. Just, just sometimes, and it, it may, it's even more frustrating to me when I'm like, I know they can't possibly know how good what they just <laughs> did was, but what they just did was amazing. Like yeah. Every
0: now and then. It really puts it into relief that they're computers because like... If if that was like another friend of ours who was playing it and managed yeah. to get like you know two stars in one turn, yep. we would they would be losing their shit, yeah. And and we were too, uh. But like it was a one sided argument, you know. We were just screaming at Bowser, yeah. The we're computer. screaming at the Nintendo
1: Switch. We're not yeah. screaming at a human being, uh, our at friend, which point. is way but more fun. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> just antagonize game consoles with your friends. It's a glorious time. Yeah,
0: that that's pretty much Mario Party in a nutshell. I mean, it does a good job of also like putting um some spins on that on that formula that they, like, work the minigames into some other different, like, metagames.
1: I really liked that a lot. Like, yeah. the one we did where, there was the one where it was just you amass points by winning minigames. Yeah. And then if you get to a certain number, you win. And yeah. then the other one was, like, if you win a minigame, you get to put down, like, a colored square on the square that was
0: made of other squares. <laughs> yeah. On a uh, 6 by 6 grid, I believe. Ah, yes,
1: grid is the word that <laughs> I should have used and didn't. But, yeah, it's, yeah. That, that part was fun. You're putting squares down, you have to, like, capture opponents' squares. Yeah. But, I'm like,
0: there's this weird... Other game going yeah, on, yeah.
1: Which is what Mario Party is. Yeah. It's just, they played around with what the other game can be. Yeah. And that, to me, is really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that game specifically, I guess it's like, I think it's actually like a 4x3 thing or something. Like, it's there's only like 12 tiles, maybe. I, I think
1: it's 4x4, I'm almost certain. Yeah, Okay. Okay. Um, cause oh I, right
0: because because there are only twelve minigames, but there are like a few that you get a two you get to put two tiles down yeah right? yeah um and that takes out some of the randomness of it like mm-hmm. the minigames, are a lot of them are skill based for the most part mm-hmm. what that skill is 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 you know varies some of them are just luck um yeah. But, like, they're, they're, the amount of skill involved is a lot higher than it is, like, on the map part of a normal Mario Party game. Yeah, where yep, you're like, it's,
1: you roll, and it's... Yeah, you literally roll a die. Yeah, so the most you do, usually, is deciding which die to roll. But, yeah. Or yeah. what items to use. But after that, it's sort of,
0: yeah. I rolled a one. Right. Shit. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> Can't do anything. Um, yeah, so it, it's a good game. And then they have uh, the rafting mode, which is kind of, like, a cooperative, like, version of Mario Party. I think they also do have a a specifically, like, team-based Mario Party mode.
1: Yeah, I know they had it, I think, in the previous Mario Party. Yeah. I think... In one of them, it was almost all team-based stuff, and I think people... I don't remember yeah, if people like that. Yeah, that just takes like all the didn't... fun out of it. Yeah, I personally did not like that yeah. very much.
0: I feel like that's the mode you play after you play the normal mode where you're like all like super angry at each other and bitter. Yeah. But you d- and you don't want to go through that. Heal. Yeah, you don't want to go through that hellish like uh, land personal landscape again, but you do kind of want to keep playing Mario Party. Yeah. And then you just play the cooperative mode where we are all on the same team and you can just like kind of kick back and play some mini games. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Um okay. I mean that I think I think that does it for me. I was thinking about talking about a uh, ridiculous idea for a narrative Mario party game game, but maybe I'll put that on the table yeah, we'll, for next week.
1: We'll think about it as we play more Mario Party <laughs> this coming week. And uh,
0: yeah, all I'm gonna say is shy guy. He's got a lot of interesting personality. Yeah. Shy guy's a, a layered. Yeah, a layered individual.
1: He's got many masks.
0: I was almost gonna say a layered human, but uh, I don't. We don't know what he is. I think if you take the mask away, it's just blackness mm. with a voice coming out. <laughs> the abyss itself. Okay, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, uh, be cool. Yeah, play and stuff. Make make some things. Also, email us. Oh, yeah. If you want to. If you want to email us, you, yeah. can, you can do that. That's a power that you have. I, we had some call to action in the last episode that was like, email us about X. Which, to mm-hmm. me, felt like the right thing to do. Not that, well, I guess we just put that episode out, but... Um, yeah, well, uh, email us uh, your favorite narrative design example. Hey, there it is, uh, similar to the one I talked about in the first uh, part of the episode. So if you got any hot hot takes there, let me know and we'll we'll talk about them. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. See you next week. Bye. See ya. Keep you trying. Anybody? Hey. Hello?